It's showtime, folks. Son now. Ali to the left. Son on a mission to go alone. This is sensational. World class. We got a special episode. We're going to take all three parts of our NBA draft special and combine them into one. So listen, enjoy. Our man Achilles Rain is with us pulling triple duty this week. Boxing on Monday, football on Tuesday and Thursday, and now NBA. What don't you know? (laughs) Uh, Not as much as you, uh, Mr. (laughs) Know-it-all. All right, so we're going to get into a little draft coverage. We're we're going to start out easy, and uh, let's see where our top, let's go with our top five guys. Who do you have as your number one guy in this NBA draft? You know, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, we didn't really get a chance to kind of settle in after the, uh, the season. Uh, obviously, they want to get the season started at a regular or close to regular time as possible. Um and we're still kind of, at least me, I'm still kind of on a championship hangover. But I had to go back and kind of look. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of guys that stand out for me. But um, I, I really like James Weissman. I know that he's probably not going to go, like, number one overall. <laughs> but <laughs> why are you laughing? Because that's who I have, number one. You're already doing great. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's just... I, I, I was watching tape on him, and he just he, – he seems like he's ready for the NBA right now. Uh, you know, he's he's big. He's physical. He plays good defense, you know, um, kind of like an old-school type of uh, a big man. And I like what I see from him, so I kind of have him as the number one prospect for me. Yeah, he's definitely my number one prospect, and uh, we'll get into a little later where I think he should probably land. But – um his size and athleticism is really something special. And there's a chance there that he can also sort of, as his skills grow, morph into a more a guard style, like where he can handle out on the top of the key, a la Kevin Garnett and Rasheed Wallace type sort of stuff. So, uh, but I mean, if you're drafting him like right now, I mean, I think you have a perfect pick and roll big who can roll the basket, get you dunks. And uh, on the defensive side, now he might not be able to handle, you know, switching on pick and rolls quite yet you know he doesn't move laterally all that great but uh for a guy his size you place him down there by that basket uh the way teams were playing more zone this year i think uh you got a huge 
large, athletic, big guy who is uh, sort of rare, really, uh, these days uh, to have someone that kind of size and that kind of athleticism. Uh, you get mostly wings, mostly guards these days, and uh, I just figure he's special. There are a lot of wings in this draft. There are a lot of guards in this draft. There aren't many bigs with uh, this kind of athleticism in this draft. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you basically hit the nail on the head there. Um, I like him as my number one. Who do you have at number two? Well, my number two guy is probably most people's number one guy. Um, I don't love him, but I, I think the skills are there to to make a player uh, out of him that could be pretty special. Uh, I have Anthony Edwards as my number two guy. Hold on, let me laugh now. <laughs> okay, go ahead now. All right, well... uh I think there could be some defensive qualities in there. He didn't show it at Georgia, um, and he didn't really show a lot of shooting at Georgia, but I, I think that was more a product of the way Georgia was built, where they essentially put the whole offense on him. And uh, I think there's a player there. Now, I don't know if there's a, let's say, an elite scorer. That's where I move him down off that one spot. But I think he could be a sort of... A solid scorer, a solid shooter, and a good defender um, with his athletic skills, if his head is right. That's where you get sort of a little weird. He didn't work hard on the defensive end at Georgia. He took a lot of bad shots at Georgia, but it's hard to read how much of a product that was of bad team versus sort of his style of play. Yeah, uh, I have him at number two also. Um you know, he's, he's got a really high level athleticism. You know, he's got a quick first step. Uh, you know, he's a finisher when it comes to driving down the lane. Uh, but, you know, there are some flaws. Uh, he does need to improve his uh, mid-range game. Uh, he needs to improve his uh, free throw percentage, especially if he's going to be used as a combo guard, uh, which he can play. But, you know, he still has all the tools. And for, to me, he's also got the potential to be uh, one of those main type top 10 players. Uh, if he starts to work at his craft more. Yeah, I had uh, I wrote down three comps for him, sort of spanning a skill set that he could be. My first comp was, um, you probably won't know this guy, but he was a, also a player at Georgia, Jermaine Jones. He was a sort of lanky wing who could do a, all sorts of kind of things, but he ended up being mostly a role player because he never sort of learned to shoot. He was a solid defender, but not a great defender. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably the floor for uh, someone like Edwards. And then the other two comps I had were the one I really think I, I feel like he could be like is a Latrell Sprewell, where he's sort of that combo guard who can guard all sorts of type of positions, real sort of athletic and herky-jerky and can get to the basket and get to the rim, can mix in a okay jump shot in there and the other one I had if that jump shot improves is someone like uh, Mitch Richmond uh, you know a bona fide scorer now he was a bona fide scorer for a lot of bad teams especially when he got traded to San Francisco but the those were sort of the comps I was looking at uh, full range of uh, Anthony Edwards sort of floor ceiling type things yeah I, I mean I see exactly where you're coming from um, <clears throat> I mean as far as like I mean, to me, they're the top two guys right now. Um, 
looking looking down, I mean, there's a lot of talent here. Uh, a lot of it's unknown to most people, especially with this situation we're currently under. But uh, at three, uh, I have uh, Mr. Obi. Uh, you know, he's a he's a pretty good player. He's a, he's versatile. He's a, he's got good size. You know, he's not the most defensive player, but you know, bigs are kind of hard to come by, especially once with, uh, you know, like a positive outlook for the future. And I think he's one of those guys. Uh, he's pretty solid. He's not the most defensive player, like I said, but part of that I think might've been the fact that he played so much at center. Uh, so I don't know how much you can really put into that. I see him more as like a playing at the four or something like that, but I, I like him as uh, my third one. Yeah. Uh, I'm liking your ranking so far. Um, I don't have him at three, but I do have him pretty high up there. At, I have him as my number five guy, and uh, I agree with you. Real athletic, uh, big. I mean, he's not, you know, James Wiseman's size, but he was sort of playing center for Dayton uh, to get a lot of mismatches, and he was able to abuse Smalls, but uh, he also showed the ability to step out there and shoot that jumper. Now, defensively, he's a pretty bad train wreck, but uh, I don't think you're – when you're drafting somebody like him, I, I think you're looking totally for the offensive side of the ball, and uh, I think he's a could be a really valuable sort of scorer inside, outside. If you put a small on him, he can go down on that block and put that spin move on him and get a dunk, and if you put a big on him, he can pick and pop and shoot that uh, jumper out there and uh, sort of light you up. Now, I don't know what he will ever become defensively, but I, I thought I'd go back to my comps for uh, Obi Toppin and uh, – on the bad side, I had Tyrus Thomas, and, uh, you know, I sort of saw the same sort of things on Tyrus Thomas. He could stretch the floor. He could get down low and and uh, mess with a small, but uh, defensively, he was really bad, and his effort level sort of winged and waned. And uh, then on the other side of, um, I had him compared to someone like Cedric Sabalos or Amari Stoudemire, just those athletic bigs who aren't necessarily great defensively, but uh, they can definitely change the game on the offensive side of things. Yeah, and I mean, he also has the ability to stretch out the floor, so he's definitely the type of player that can, uh, you know, create some mismatches out there. Um, so there's that. He's got he's got a lot of things going for him. He's got some flaws here and there, but everyone has flaws, especially, you know, coming into the league. You know, no one's going to be 100% polished. Those who are are obviously going number you know, one overall, so. Yeah. Uh, my number three guy, though, was uh, Killian Hayes, the uh, sort of hybrid guard out of France. Um, he played on a top-end German team uh, this last year. Now, uh, they didn't really get to compete their season, but uh, he's just a real versatile sort of uh, tweener guard. Um, his handle is not quite as steady as you'd like for a point guard, but uh, I think he's more of a hybrid guard than a point guard, but if you watch him play, he's really smart, knows how to play make, uh, got great size, and uh, is a tenacious defender. And um, I sort of just like all those things. I think uh, he's also been playing professional ball since he was about, you know, 13, 14 years old. So even though he is really young, he just turned 19 a couple months ago, I think you could draft him right now, and he could be ready to jump in the league and play a position, be able to guard um there's a little bit of sort of his 
athleticism that's not great, but uh, I think he knows how to sort of use his body all all like Luka Doncic, who can, you know, he's not the fastest guy, but he can manipulate his body and size to get to the rim. And uh, I see that from Killian Hayes. Yeah, I mean, you basically said it all right there. I mean, you know, he's pretty tall. Uh, he's uh, He's got good length as far as his wingspan is concerned. Uh, you know, he's fluid when he's out there. There's some things that I don't like. Uh, he's not the best spot-up shooter. Uh, you know, he can work on his step back a little bit. Uh, he does tend to be a little turnover prone when he's playing at the one. Uh, he tries to force, you know, a lot of passes. His assist turnover ratio is not that good. Uh, but, you know, these are all things that he can work on. You know, like you said, he's been doing this for a long time. So this is his craft. This is his uh, profession. So I only see him getting better. So yeah. I, I totally see why you have him there. The other thing about that is um, it's weird to say, but uh, the leagues in Europe are actually a lot more physical than the NBA. They'll let you get away with a lot more. So uh, when those guys come over here in the uh, States and play in the NBA, when they start calling a lot of touch fouls and stuff like they do now, um, he might be able to generate a little bit more space. Those turnovers might go down a little bit because he has a little bit more room uh, to work with than uh, some of those physical styles in Europe well, they're, well, th- where they will just maul you uh, and nobody will call anything. Yeah, I see your point there. We might have to watch a Euro game sometime. I, I mean, it sounds like uh, I personally never really sat down and watched something other than highlights. But, uh, yeah, this sounds, sounds interesting. Sounds old school. <laughs> I can't wait to get you to bet on those. <laughs> oh, man, it's going to be a little while before I jump on bets from we the might, uh, European German league. We might have you on in a couple months to bet on the Greek Basketball League. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Who do you have next? All right. What are we at? Number four? Uh, let's see. You just went over Killian Hayes. So. Yes, that was my number three guy. My number four guy is Tyrell Terry. Now, uh... This is a big jump, and uh, he wasn't a huge prospect coming into college, but um, I see scoring here. I see a lot of scoring, and I see a lot of shooting, and this league's built for shooting. Now, the bust potential on this guy is a little more uh, there than uh, probably some of the other guys who are a lot more solid, but uh, I really see this guy as a being able to play a role in an NBA game, even right now, despite a small stature, shooting carries. No matter where you are, if you can shoot and you can shoot off the dribble and you can score, uh, I really just uh, like the way this guy took over at Stanford and was the came in and was the main cog of their offense. You know, I didn't really uh, think about it that much, but I see I see where you're coming from. You you make a lot of valid points. Uh, I can see why you'd have him there. But I actually have uh, LaMelo Ball there. Uh, you know, there's a lot to like there. There's also a lot to hate, a lot to be scared about. Uh, he is a, a ball after all. But, you know, he's uh, he's he's a good player. Uh, he's coming off playing, you know, I guess you'd consider it semi-pro. Uh, you know, but the guy's got a good size. You know, he's got, he's, he's got a good length for a guard. Uh, he can shoot off the catch. He can shoot off the dribble. Um he, there's a lot of good things he can do. He's a good defender. He's quick with his hands. You know, he can get a lot of steals. Uh, he's got a high basketball IQ. He can score from anywhere in the half court. I mean, you know, offensively, he, he's he got it all. He's pretty good defensively also. But there's a lot of things that also kind of uh, scare me a little bit. Like I said earlier, the fact that he's a ball, 
the fact that, you know, he's not a really explosive athlete. Uh, he doesn't really get really high, a lot of hang time or anything like that. Uh, his shot selection does need to improve. He's, you know, he's one of those kind of kind of like a Steph Curry type of player where he knows he can shoot from anywhere. And sometimes uh, he'll take a really poor shot because he thinks he can make it. And yeah, the problem is he can't make it and Steph Curry can. That That's what I'm saying is, you know, once you get to Steph Curry's level, you, you get the pass where you can shoot from anywhere. It doesn't matter, but you know, he needs to improve his uh, shot decisions. Yeah. Uh, I had ball really far down there and uh, some of the stuff I'd been hearing uh, from people who said uh, he hasn't really interviewed well or worked out well. He just scares me. Uh, there's a playmaker there who can sort of do a lot of things, but uh, I think he's really, really dependent on uh, the type of team he goes to. Uh, I think if he goes to some team where he has to be the guy and there's no sort of leadership there or anything, I, I don't think he succeeds at all. But if he, he makes it to a team that has, you know, a couple really solid players and he can, you know, and they sort of tell him, here's your role you're going to play this role or you won't play. Uh, I think he has a better chance of success because uh, he's really had no discipline on any team he's been. They've just let him have free reign and shoot where he wants and uh, shoot as much as he wants and not play defense. And that's just not really something that flies on uh, good NBA teams. Yeah, I totally see where you're coming from. You know, the the issue, like I said, there's there's some things to be scared of here. You know, and I think that because he's been, I don't want to say coddled, that's not the right word, but, you know, he's so much is expected from him because of his, uh, his father. You know, we, we've seen the kind of pressure he puts on his children and I don't want to make him out to be a bad guy or anything, but because of that, like you said, he's had free range pretty much anywhere he's been, you know, and you don't know what you're getting. I mean, you know that he's talented. He's, he's got a lot of potential, but the question marks are there as far as like how he's going to fit in once he's not in charge. Yeah. Uh, I had two comps to him that I thought he could become. And uh, I comped him to like Boris Diaw or uh, Tony Kukoc where you get a little bit of everything. And now the defense is sort of the one thing that I don't know how well that come along, but you got a guy who can shoot, who can play, make, who can create offense for others. And, can sort of play multiple positions and fit in anywhere. Now, if he can re- reach that top-level potential, I, I think he deserves that kind of ranking. I just, uh, I'm really scared, you know, what kind of team he goes to. And uh, we can sort of move into uh, the teams at the top of the draft board. And uh, I was going to say somewhere like uh, Minnesota, who has the first pick, I don't think that would be a good fit for somebody like Ball uh, with let's just say poor leadership there. Uh, Russell Towns have never really shown the ability to want to lead. And I think he'd just sort of be left there to his own devices and him Towns and Russell probably would be fighting over the ball to see who could jack up the worst shots and get the numbers while losing games. I mean, I think we'll touch on the Minnesota needs in a little bit, but you know, I I really like the way you're setting up your, your, board uh who do you have next actually well, i had obi Toppin at five so okay. my number uh six guy was uh isaac orco the Ar- auburn uh sort of uh hybrid guard now 
this guy does not shoot great. But uh, if you read a lot of what uh, SEC players, uh, Anthony Edwards and stuff, who said the guy they don't want to go up against, it was Isaac Orko. Now, I, I think this guy could be a real player. Now, he's got some issues shooting. His free throw percentage was terrible for a guard. and uh, But I, I think there's a tough, hard-nosed working player there who could be on a lot of winning teams. So I just think uh, it would benefit people to have somebody like Isaac Orko. Now, my comps on him were Justice Winslow, Anthony Mason, and Lamar Odom. Now, he doesn't quite have the size of Lamar Odom, but I do like the Anthony Mason sort of comp there. A big, strong sort of guard who could do all sorts of type of things. The one thing he can't really do is shoot, but uh, if you put good players around him, I really think uh, he could be a real nice player in this league. Now, you also have the back end of that is somebody like uh, Justice Winslow who's sort of... Same type player, but has never really found his footing in this league so far. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much said it all right there. I, I, I mean, we see pretty close. I mean, uh, the differences aren't much as far as your analysis about him. Uh, I feel pretty much the same. But, you know, I like how, how deep you're actually getting into this. Like, I, I really want to keep your your list, to be honest with you. All right, we'll move on through. Uh, let's go through our top ten instead of our top five. Who do you got up as your number? Uh, what are we on? Five or six for you? Uh, I don't know what we're on. <laughs> I lost track. I I got so into listening to your analysis that I lost where I was at. <laughs> let's go to your number six guy. All right, who do I have at number six? Or your number uh, five guy? Oh no, I think I did. I think I did number five, didn't I? Wasn't that Lamelo? Yeah, you did Lamelo. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Uh, yeah, uh, for next one, uh, I have uh, Denny out of Israel uh, playing with the uh, national team. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I heard a little bit about it. To be honest with you, I had I didn't watch a lot of him prior to the last couple of days when I started looking into him, and I really like what I see, man. Um, you know, you probably know a lot more about him than I do because you tend to be kind of a fiend when it comes to sports. So I'm sure you soak up all the uh, Israel basketball games that you can. I've actually seen him play a couple times. Yeah, see, I thought so. Uh, what, what do you think about him? Well, uh, I like him. Like, I like him as a basketball player. Now, the one problem is he can't shoot at all. Like, it, it's possible it's broke, that jump shot. But, I mean, he is super athletic, super aggressive, Um and super strong for such a young guy. I, I think he could come into the league and uh, do some things for you, uh, but I, I'm scared the shot's going to cost him a little bit here. Oh, this is what I've seen, okay? I, I've seen the fact that, yeah, he's not the most consistent shooter, but he's streaky. You know, he kind of gets into into a little rhythm when he starts feeling good about his shot, and he just and he, he'll start draining him. He's got that potential. So I think, you know, he can work on it. It's something he can improve on. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's versatile. You know, he, he can go from, like, the two guard. He can go even up to power forward at times, depending on who the matchup is. The guy's got a really high basketball IQ. He's not afraid of the big stage. He's been in big games, games that matter. Uh, you know, he's got elite court vision. So I, I see potential in him. I think that, you know, at this this part of the, of the first round, I don't think he's – 
that huge of a gamble. He's kind of safe because you know what you're getting. Yeah, there's not, uh, there's... I, I agree. I think he'll be a player in this league for at least, you know, 12 to 15 years. Now, is he going to be a star? I don't know that. But uh, I, I do agree with you that that shot probably can be fixed, and I think he's such a worker that he can work on it. And, you know, I went comp-wise. I went with Mike Dunleavy, Andre Iguodala, and Detlas Shrimp. So two of those guys can shoot. Andre Iguodala never really learned to shoot, but they're all sort of big defensive playmakers who can pass the ball, create offense, and uh, if he can learn to shoot, I, I really think he could be a player in this league. But even without that jump shot, I think he's smart enough to sort of be able to find a place in this league where he, he's either a really high-end role player or uh, you know maybe a number three on a really good team. Yeah, I mean... Like I said, there's certain things I like about him. You kind of know what you're getting. Uh, experienced, big stage type of player. So as long as he can work on being a more consistent shooter, I think that, you know, you get yourself a solid player. Also, this guy played in uh, a very high-end league and uh, and a lot of high-end games. Uh, he didn't play a ton of minutes, but, uh, I mean, he played against true professionals who with teams that could compete against NBA teams. So uh, the the stage, I don't think, would be too bright for him. What do you have next? All right, we're moving on to my number seven guy. I have the Florida State product, Devin Vassell. Um, another sort of wiry wing guy who can defend. Now, once again, we go back into, I hate to keep preaching on it, the shooting is not great, and uh, the, he's not, I'd say, a explosive, explosive athlete when getting to the basket. But this guy will work his butt off. I think his shot can get there where he could be a catch-and-shoot guy. And uh, I think he could really, his energy uh, can sort of change games. Yeah, um, you know, I basically went up to this point in my list, uh, and I see where you're coming from, but I actually have uh, the center, uh, the power forward center combo from uh, USC, uh, I believe Onyeka Okongwu. Yay, that was pretty I good. Want, yeah, I don't, Are you I don't doing pronunciation rank. practice in your car today? I, I was trying on my way home. I was like, okay, let's not mess this name up because I figured if they anyone were going to stumble with me, it was going to be this one. But, um, yeah, you know, again, another big man. I kind of I kind of like the big men uh, early on. You know, they they make pretty good foundations to build teams off of. If you're picking this high, chances are that you need to rebuild or you are pretty bad. So I think the big guys are always kind of a – a good building block to start, you know, building up a franchise. You know, the guy, he's uh, he's an exceptional uh, rim protector. You know, even though he's a little bit undersized for a big man, um, he's got really good athleticism. That's because he's probably cause he's not as big as some of the other guys, you know, but he's uh, surprising, surprisingly well. Um, free throw shooter, uh, his percentage is pretty high. I believe he was in the high, like the high to mid-70s, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, and he can he has the potential to play elite on both sides of the ball. Um, there are some things, though. Like I said, he's not really he's not that big, and he has to rely on his uh, physicality a lot, which could be of concern, uh, especially with the uh, touchy fouls that go on in the NBA nowadays. Uh, his field goal percentage is not that good. He relies a lot on second chance points. Um, you know, but he works for him. You know, he goes up. He's trying to get offensive boards and. I see I see a lot of potential with him. Um, 
you can even use him as a stretch four if he can somehow improve his you know his shooting a little bit but for right now you get a big guy who can you know go after rebounds and play good defense yeah uh i had him a little lower and it, it's not because i don't think he can be a player in this league i definitely think he can be a player in this league i just worry uh, a little bit uh about his fit in the league he can guard i just wonder if he'll he'd be preferably like in a small ball lineup like a Draymond Green, a much more athletic Draymond Green. I don't know if he can switch and guard those kind of players. I, I, I know he will be an elite rim protector, so he'll find his place in this league. I just I sort of wondered if he ever sort of fits, especially offensively. He definitely can, you know, pick and roll and dive. Uh, will that shot extend out? And he if he can build on that shot, I, I think he has a much safer place in getting minutes in this league. But uh, I can see him as a valuable sort of role player in the uh, JaVel McGee, Montez Harrell type, uh, you know, space where he comes in, good energy, you know, short minute span. Uh, but uh, my comp to him was sort of a, a Jawan Howard, Amir Johnson type. So you got the steady like Jawan Howard who could, you know, play 30 minutes a game, defend multiple positions, you know, he learns to score a little bit. And then you got Amir Johnson, who was just that, a big who could come in, eat minutes, grab some rebounds, guard some people, and, uh, you know, use his energy in short bursts, and then it goes to the bench. Uh, so that's why I dropped him a little bit. I didn't want to put him in my top ten because uh, I think it might take him also a handful of years, you know, to develop into the type of player that you need uh, to play in an NBA game. Yeah, I mean, I see where you're coming from. You know, my only argument there is that some of the guys that I ended up moving down a little bit, you know, it's because one, they're guards. Uh, you get more guards, you know, with talent than you do big men with talent. Uh, so, you know, the potential for him to to get better, I think, is a is good upside. Uh, I think it's almost, I wouldn't say a certain thing because nothing's certain, but I, I think it's, you know, pretty fair to say that he's going to get better, you know, and with all the other guards, you know, a lot of these guys do have some uh, field goal percentage problems that you also need to work on. But I feel like when you get a guy who can be a rim protector, you can use him at that while he works on the rest of his game. Yeah, that's that's a good take on that. Uh, I agree with you. The guard position and the wing position is a little overloaded. And if you can find sort of a special big like this, uh, you go after him. I just... I worried about maybe his slow development. Like, you know, in eight years, we'll, we'll see him and be like, that's a good NBA player. But in four years, we'll be like, what happened? Yeah. What team is that guy on now? <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I could see that. I guess I could see that. It's just, like I said, the, uh, the field goal percentage from some of these other guards that I have just below him, um, I didn't even bother going through the rest of the rankings. I just thought that, you know, this was a solid starting point to kind of go from. But, yeah, I, I like the bigs, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, you want to move off our rankings and uh, talk a couple of these teams in this draft and uh, see what maybe they might do or what they should do? Sure. All right. Why don't we start out with the number one pick here, Minnesota. Uh, you had Wiseman. I had Wiseman. I'm not sure he's a great fit for Minnesota here. Uh, they have Carl Anthony Towns. I don't know if 
you could play Wiseman and Towns together and D'Angelo Russell, that just seems like they will be giving up 150 points a game. But uh, I don't know if I like the Edwards fit here, too. I, I know Minnesota's been trying to shop this pick. What are your thoughts on Minnesota here? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of had a feeling that they would be better off getting out of the first overall pick. That's crazy as it sounds. I, I just because the two guys that they're banking their future on, D'Angelo Russell and uh, Towns, like you said, neither of them have really taken over the leader position on that team. But you know that it's going to be one or it's going to be the other. You know, so I feel like they actually need to bring in a defensive anchor. Uh, they should focus on uh, getting a stopper, somebody who's going to help them out defensively because they're not going to be that good defensively as they stand right now. Um, I would try to trade down and then get some help on defense. Maybe, you know, with that trade, you pick up a player that's going to help you. And then maybe you take a wing player, uh, a wing player or a forward. Um, like, uh, I what's Isaiah? Isaac, uh, what's his name, Okoro? Yes, Isaac Okoro. Yeah, like, I, I think he would be okay, uh, obviously, if you trade down, because I don't like him for the number one pick, but if I was him, that's what I would do. I would trade out of the first pick and then try to get a player and a pick in the first round and then uh, build the defense up. Yeah, I think that's really the dilemma there, because uh, I think Isaac would fit good. Uh, I think Killian Hayes would fit great there. Now, do you have the, let's say, cojones to take someone who isn't, you know, quite graded as high as a Wiseman or an Edwards or a Ball and uh, sort of fit your team to what you're drafting? Or do you just sort of bite the bullet, take a Anthony Edwards and hope it sort of all works out? Because, uh, I mean, I think somebody like Killian Hayes would fit in nicely there. you got a tweener guard who doesn't necessarily need the ball all the time, doesn't need to shoot, can defend multiple positions and play make for others. But uh, to make Killian or Isaac or, you know, Devin Vassell your number one pick, that would be, I think, hard to stomach for some of the fans there. Yeah, like I said, I don't see him going as the number one overall pick. I think you got to get something else out of it. That's the only way I see this making any sense. The problem is I don't know if anybody else wants that number one pick. Yeah, I mean, there's some teams out there that, you know, could potentially just be trying to draft best available and they, maybe they want to make a play. But, I mean, it's it's tough to really predict what's going to happen. Yeah, let's move on to probably the most interesting team in this draft. Um, they're going to be contending for an, for an NBA championship next year, I'm assuming. The Warriors sit at number two. Now... I really think they should take Wiseman and not try to trade this pick. Um, I think if you throw out Wiseman, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry, that's a pretty pretty deep lineup that uh, can do a whole lot of things. And then, you know, if Wiseman's not playing well or you don't have the matchup, you could take Wiseman off, go to that small ball lineup. I just really think they should go after Wiseman in that spot. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we both like Wiseman, and I think that you know if he's there, and I'm and I'm the Warriors, I'm taking him. You know, you can always fit in a guy like that. Especially, I know you've got you know Curry, you got Thompson, you got Green. You know, you got the the fundamentals of your team, which everybody thinks they're gonna you know with all of them healthy, they're a contender. Uh, you add a guy 
um, like Wiseman into the mix and, you know, he helps. But if I was them, I would probably try and bundle up some picks and go after like a player that's going to help them right now. Um, You know, like an impact player at this moment because they are contenders. And I don't know if you, even, even though Wiseman makes you better, I don't know if you want to bank on him helping you, you know, go all the way. Yeah. I think if you can get a true impact player, I think that's where it sort of, you know, draws the line. If you're just trading the pick to trade the pick for a impact player that isn't really an impact player, I don't think that's a good deal. Now, the Warriors are smart, and I think they, you know, can sort of sort out who's good and who's bad. But uh, I just wouldn't trade the pick because, you know, you're getting a fifth-year veteran who's sort of a maybe an all-star. No, yeah, I agree with you. It has to be a, like a definite, like, you know, no no questions about it. This guy's going to help us day one. If it's not that type of player, then then – at number two, if he's still available, then I think you take Wiseman. I think also if you take Wiseman here, I mean, he doesn't have to have a lot of responsibility. He's in a good culture, and basically all he'll have to do is set picks for Curry and, you know, set picks for Draymond and dive to the rim and get a lot of dunks and, you know, clean up messes when people are coming to the rim. It's sort of a, a simple way and an easy way to grow sort of into the league and into your game. And then, you know, by the time Curry and uh, Draymond and Clay are all sort of ending out of the league, you know, aging out of it, maybe uh, James Wiseman is then at that point where he can carry your franchise on into the, you know, next level and start anew. Yeah. And like I said, I agree with you. Like I said, if that was me, if I was, if I'm the Warriors, I'm taking Wiseman. I like Wiseman. Uh, yeah, and I think you can't go wrong with him, you know, but say he is gone. What do you what do you think? I don't cuz I, I mean the Warriors to, I mean to begin with the Warriors are not they don't draft like traditional big men like Wiseman. They don't normally yes. have those type of guys. They have more versatile guys that can kind of, you know, move around a little bit more. But I think that you know if Wiseman's gone, which I don't think he will be cuz he doesn't fit very well. Uh, in Minnesota, um, I think that you know an interesting one is uh, is Obi. I think he's an interesting. Uh, I think he fits in well with that team too. Yeah, I, I think Obi would be a nice little. Uh, he could also be you know a rim runner, and then he can kick out where uh, James Wiseman likes to shoot. But I don't know necessarily if he can shoot. There's, but I, I know Obi can shoot. Now the the thing with Obi is the defensive thing. Now. I don't know if Obi would come in and start like right away. You know, maybe they bring him in off the bench for high energy and high points so they can sort of cover up those uh, defensive flaws. But uh, I wouldn't mind Obi here. Now, uh, the other thing you could do uh, is maybe trade back, maybe get a decent role player, and then uh, then take Obi a, yeah. a little bit later in the draft. Yeah, that's that's a, I mean, to me, like if you can't get – you know, if you can't get him at the more, then that's the perfect scenario is trading down uh, and then using hopefully a first round pick somewhere in the mid tier to like the high top 10. Then you can kind of really look at him as a good fit, uh, just like you said. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be scared also to trade back in this draft because uh, I think everybody's a, a little jumbled up. You, you don't necessarily know who's going to, you know, work out 
right and who's not. I think everybody's got so many, you know, good qualities, but they're also flaws that literally come with every one of these players. It's not like an elite, elite draft where you go, that guy's going to be a superstar. That guy's going to be an all-star for, you know, X number of years. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, I, like I said, I, re- I like Wiseman because to me he's got, you know, the tools. He's He's got the size. He's got the things you need. But I, I don't think that, like you said, there's any, like, guaranteed, uh, you know, lock-on superstars here. Yeah, the Wiseman was the only one I thought maybe could sort of morph into a, a franchise-type guy just based on his size and a athleticism, but uh, there's a little bit too much unknown about him. We're going to move on to a really weird team and one that, you know, I don't think has the assets to move up, but probably the one that would probably most benefit from taking a Wiseman or an Anthony Edwards, and that's Charlotte. Um, They sit at three. I think there's a pretty sharp drop-off after Edwards and Wiseman. Uh, There are a lot of good players, but Charlotte already has, I think, a team of, you know, sort of okay to good players. And, uh, but I don't know if they have the assets to really move into that one or two spot. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that they're better off right now because of their current situation, you know, with Kemba taking off and all. Uh, They need to get a guy who they believe has the potential to be a superstar. Um, there, like I said, there's no guarantees. There never is any guarantees, but whoever they have on their top board as having the most ability to become, you know, or the most potential to become a superstar. I think that's the guy you go after at this point. Yeah. Uh, you have anybody you think you see as a great fit in Charlotte? This would be one of the teams where like LaMelo ball, I would not oh, like him out. That, that's, <laughs> Listen, that's the guy that I thought would probably, I wouldn't say a good fit, but the team, this is a team that I see him going to potentially because, like I said, they're looking for that one guy who's going to come in and has the potential to become a superstar. Uh, LaMelo has the potential to become a star. I don't know about a superstar. Um, Like I said, there's still a lot of question marks and there's a lot of, a lot you're risking with that gamble, but this is somewhere I could see him going. Yeah, I I think you win the marketing battle if you take LaMelo here. The problem is I don't know. You know, as I was speaking about, like, leadership, this Charlotte situation just would put him in the middle of to where he thinks he can pull up and shoot a bunch of crap shots all day long. And uh, I just don't like this situation. Now, a situation where I would like him would be like the Warriors who already have a, you know, higher order and a pecking order that, you know, if he takes a stupid shot, Curl just pull him and be like, we have Curry and Clay, we don't really need you. The problem is I don't think the Warriors would get anywhere close to <laughs> laying a finger on ball. Oh, no, no, there's no way. I don't see that happening anytime soon. Uh, was there someone else you thought Charlotte might want to lean with? I, I don't know. I mean... Like I said, if I'm them, I'm going, I'm looking at my board and I'm looking at who the top potential star is. And that's who I'm taking. You know, I don't think they're that horribly off, you know, for a rebuilding team technically, you know, but I think that they have to bank their money on getting 
someone that's going to fill seats and uh, who they can kind of count on to be the the attention grabber. Yeah. I thought maybe this could be a spot for Terry, Tyrell Terry. Um, they already have a lot of small guards who like jacking threes, so uh, I don't know if it's a great fit, but uh, if there was someone I thought you could build your offense around, I think it might be him, as in he's sort of like a Trey Young light type thing. Now, I don't know how successful or how many wins that you know overall leads to, but it might at least get the crowd jumping. I don't know if it helps your overall win percentage, but uh, I thought Terry might be someone who could at least be one of the few guys I saw in this who could become an elite scorer in this league. Uh, I see where you're coming from with that too. Uh, I don't think that you'd be that far off to go with either scenario, but you know, that's just because of where they stand right now. All right. Uh, I wanted to touch on a couple more teams here at number five is Cleveland. I have no clue about this roster and I have no clue what they do to draft here. And I, I, I mean, I guess Darius Garland and Colin Sexton might be trade assets. Maybe I don't think Kevin Love is a trade asset and Drummond's on a one year deal now. So I just don't know what to make of this roster or where they go. See, I think that this team, it's, it's a little bit tougher for them. Uh, part of it because uh, I feel like they need to decide whether Draymond is in their long-term plans or not. Uh, the thing that, th- sorry, I said Draymond Drummond. Uh, I'm <laughs> Drummond. Over, yeah, I'm over here like thinking of the of Golden State, but yeah, no, I think if Drummond is like you know, you have to decide whether he's he's going to be there long-term or not. Uh, the fact that you've got him locked in for one year right now, you know, is a little telling. Uh, So I think that they've already got who they believe is the core of their team. Um, Especially, you know, post LeBron James again for a second time. Uh, So I think that they need to really lock down uh, a big man position. And I know I talked about it earlier, but this is one of those spots where I could see uh, the center from USC going, um, I think he fits in here. You know, you kind of have one year to play him around with Drummond a little bit and kind of see what he can offer. Uh, I don't think he's really that much of a stretch to go at five. So, Yeah, the only problem with that is Love's also here. And uh, I just don't – I mean, if they can trade Love, which they've been unsuccessful at doing, essentially you're drafting that USC kid and he's – going to sit on the bench because he's not going to get playing time over Drummond or Love. But uh, once again, I don't know where they go because you can't draft the guards either because you aren't going to play them over Garland or Sexton, who you've wasted your top, you know, five picks on the last two years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, do you, there's no way that Wiseman makes it to this late in the, in the draft. Do you? I don't. There I don't are some places that late. say that, but I, I think somebody would trade up. But once again, I don't know if he fits. I mean, isn't he just sort of a a younger version of Andre Drummond, really? Yeah, but at this point, you have somebody to that you can rely on for the future, so you don't have to worry about extending Drummond. You can keep a guy at a much cheaper rate. Yeah, that's true. I, I see your point. I just, I think it's 
this Cleveland roster is a, it's a mess. It's, oh, it's definitely a head scratcher. But I mean, we saw it the last time that, you know, LeBron left town, that team was kind of left in shambles and, you know, they tried to rebuild and it didn't quite work out for them the way they thought. And this is kind of where they stand right now. I mean, are they going to turn that corner and actually rebuild after LeBron leaving again? Or uh, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, the other thing I could see is uh, we didn't touch on him, but uh, the Iowa state product, Therese Halliburton. Now they, I don't know if they could pull off selecting a third point guard three years in a row, but uh, I mean, he's the most actual true point guard of the three. He, he can get everybody involved and uh, he's sort of a pass first guy who can get to the basket and create for others. But um, I, you definitely have to probably trade either Garland or Sexton if you could. And, you know, you probably have to sell them on the cheap. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And, you know, the thing is how much value are you going to get back from them? You know, for one, they're not known for their defensive uh, abilities, I believe. They had one of the worst defenses in the league. Well, Halliburton know. wouldn't help that either. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know he wouldn't. And th- defensively, they're pretty bad, you know, but – they're kind of stuck with, with what they have right now because of what they've wasted on them. So if you do trade away one of them, what kind of value you're going to get back from them? Because what is this saying to pick another guard again? You know, what is this saying about the rest of your guards? It's just, I mean, I could see them having to do it. I just think that it, it'd be really far-fetched. Yeah. Uh, just a, probably a bad situation overall. Um, I wanted to touch on one more team. We're running a little long here, so we might have to do a two-parter and do another session next week. (laughs) All right. uh, I wanted to touch on Washington. They got the number nine pick. Now, John Wall's going to be back. Bradley Beal is there. Rui played pretty well this year, and uh, Thomas Bryant wasn't, you know, that bad. So I don't think they have a great team, but they certainly have a team that is capable of making the playoffs with that kind of talent on it, if that's a, you know, if John Wall is healthy and recovered from the Achilles. Now this could be also a team that, you know, I don't know if they quite have the assets to trade up, but uh, if they could trade up and get a, one of those elite guys in there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I just don't see what they could offer though. Um, and there are still the Other question than marks. Bradley Beal, which would be insane. Yeah, which you can't really do it right now, especially when you don't know what Wall's bringing back. So um, they're in a tough situation too. But if they stay put, you know, I could see them going for a center, a uh, big guy, someone to lock down defensively, a rim protector type. But yeah, it's another tough situation there. The other thought I had here was uh, this would be the spot for Melo. You have two guys who are superstars in this league or, you know, semi-superstars in this league. So, you know, he could come in there, he could create, and he wouldn't necessarily be, you know, tasked with trying to carry this team. He could fit in as a role player, grow into it, and, uh, you know, having Beal and Wall there to, you know, placate you and uh, create shots for, I think this would probably be the best fit I think I see on the board overall other than Golden State, which I think Golden State would totally pass. Yeah, I could see your logic with it. My only thing is, you know, with those question marks with with Ball and big personalities already in the room, 
I don't know how well they would mesh or if they would clash or anything. So, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from and I agree with it. It's just, he seems a little riskier in a situation like this to me. Yeah, it, it could also go very poorly where those two gang up and hate him and watch him chuck some 40-foot three and then probably punch him in the face at, at halftime. <laughs> yeah, it's not something we want to I wanted to see. get into a little bit of the draft news that's come out, uh, I guess, this last week. Uh, LaMelo Ball has shot up the uh, draft chart. He's now a 2-1 to one favorite. He's had two private workouts with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I know we were uh, split on what we thought of him a little bit uh, last week. Um, if indeed he does go number one to the Timberwolves, then it's not like a smoke screen to try to trade him. Fit, you like the move going number one, or you questioning it? I, I had him pretty high in my rankings compared to where you had him. I don't like him at number one personally. I just feel like there's too many question marks there. But, I mean, you know, the team is going to go based off whoever they think they're going to get the most out of, especially right now. Um, I mean, if they think he's a good fit, you know, good luck to them. But I, I don't see – I don't like it with him going first. Yeah, uh, i not going to lie. I'm not a big fan of this. It just doesn't seem like a very good fit uh, with D'Angelo Russell and um, Carl Anthony Towns. Defensively, uh, this would be, honestly, the biggest train wreck I think I will probably ever watch uh, on a defensive NBA basketball court with those three on there. Unless uh, LaMelo Ball somehow becomes a defensive stopper, which literally he's been a turnstile uh, ever since you know, high school, he just doesn't play defense. Carl Anthony Towns can play defense, but chooses not to. And uh, Russell has never been a defensive stopper. I think you probably know that from your uh, watching him in the Lakers days. So uh, just don't quite understand the move there, other than uh, they win the sort of marketing battle, I guess. Uh, you got another name. You can sell uh, a lot of things to the marquee, but... Uh, don't know if that's quite a good team fit. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I feel like they probably need a, a defensive anchor more than they do a potential marketable player. Uh, so I don't necessarily like it for them. But if you know, seems like the consensus uh, is just that he's going to go one. So yeah. Uh, the other thing, I I don't remember if we touched on it. Uh, their first round pick next year is going to the Warriors in that Andrew Wiggins trade, which uh, uh, that's probably a different show on why you trade for D'Angelo Russell and get a first-round pick when you're getting off the Andrew Wiggins. We'll do that some other time, probably uh, as to who the hell is running the Timberwolves. But uh, I don't think even if you select LaMelo, that puts you outside the playoffs, which then makes that first-round pick going to the Warriors uh, really even more valuable and uh, gives a team that's a title contender even more sort of leverage and room to uh, deal either their pick this year or that pick that they have coming next year. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to, to think that you could be losing value by losing now as opposed to gaining you know, a higher draft pick for yourself. 
you're gaining a higher pick for someone else uh, and still not getting much out of this is making you look like a bad GM. Uh, would you put the Timberwolves as a playoff team? Uh, really, if you, any of these guys, Edwards, Ball, Wiseman, or West too deep and they have no chance? I mean, I, I still don't think that they're necessarily a contender. Uh, I mean, they're drafting one overall for a reason. Um, but, I, I mean, you know, they're, they're not a horrible team. There's teams that are they're a lot worse off than they are. Uh, but you need to get a defensive anchor. You've got, you know, you've got some, some money invested in other players. Um, and I think you try to make your situation more attractive to uh, maybe possibly attract a bigger star, someone who is definitely going to get you over that hump and get you uh, into being a contender. All right. So we'll move on from that. Uh, uh, I think we both are probably a little puzzled at why Minnesota would take ball uh, number one overall, but uh, you certainly have him higher on your ranking. So I guess you're probably a little more settled on it than I would be. But the other rumor coming out was uh, the Knicks are trying to trade up uh, at least uh, I've heard to the one spot if they can get a deal done or uh, one of the top uh, three spots to uh, take James Wiseman. Now uh, the Knicks uh, front office has been, pretty much a, I don't know, what's the word, shit show for 20 years, 30 years, for a very long time. Uh, I sort of like this move if they can get it done and uh, put Wiseman in there and then uh, try to pull one of these point guards. They've also been rumored into uh, Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul. Now, uh, that's sort of a win-now type maneuver, but uh, you put Wiseman in there and uh, then sort of a win-now type move. Uh, the East is so bad in the lower half. I think if you add a Westbrook or Paul, you at least put yourself in playoff contention. Uh, I don't know how much that stunts uh, rebuilding, but uh, I'd like the move to go after Wiseman there. Yeah, I think we both talked about it last week, uh, how much we actually like Wiseman. Uh, I think that he's probably the most uh, NBA-ready safety pick you can get uh, that's still a top prospect. Um, there's a lot of talented guys here, but all of them have, you know, some flaws that I, I feel like you're probably getting closer to the complete package right now with, uh, with Wiseman. Yeah. Uh, it's not totally draft related, but uh, Nick's going after one of those uh, high priced uh, older point guards. Would you like that move or would you like to sort of uh, see him uh, stay in there and uh just stick to rebuilding with the young kids. Barrett, uh, I don't really know where Knox sits, but uh, uh, Wiseman, Barrett, and, uh, you know, whatever else they can find out there. Sell it off and try to get one of these uh, veteran point guards that'll lead you to wins and probably a playoff spot in the East. I mean, you know, everyone wants to get to the playoffs. The ultimate goal is to win a championship. The question is, you know, how much are you sacrificing of your future by, you know, paying someone else now and getting a few more wins and, you know, possibly getting knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, I, I just think, you know, where you sit at now, you're probably best to just build and build from within. Yeah. I, I think that would be the uh, sort of best maneuver, but uh, who knows playoff wise. Um, I wanted to touch on a, 
probably a handful of other teams that were sitting around uh, in the top area of the draft and uh, where they go and what they do. Um, the Pistons, I just, I don't know what to make of this team. They have no real talent. They sit at number seven, so not really a great slot um, draft-wise, but uh, in this draft where there's so many, uh, I don't know what, I'd say more role players to uh, low-level all-stars than uh, I'd say franchise players. If you're Detroit here, do you try to move up into the top and get maybe one of those guys who might be at least a elite-level all-star, or do you just sort of add some more role players and uh, eat it next year and hope you uh, hit a higher draft spot next year? I don't know. They're in a very peculiar situation. We talked about it uh, in the last show uh, when we talked draft uh, that, you know, them losing uh, Andre uh, Drummond and Reg Jackson. uh, It's, it's a weird situation because now you have more holes you need to plug. You know, if you would have kept those two guys going into the off season, you know, there's not a lot you have to do. You have some pieces in place to be, uh, you know, competitive, but, Losing those two guys, I think, just created too many holes. I think at this point, you probably try to shop your your only asset left, which is, you know, shockingly, Blake Griffin. And uh, you just kind of go into complete rebuild mode. Um, they need to start building a solid foundation, kind of start from scratch, I think. That's what they should be focused on. Yeah, I just uh, – this roster is so poor. And, uh, I mean, Blake Griffin uh, – He's probably a minor asset. Uh, his contract's only a two more years, so uh, that's a bonus. And you take away this year, that's essentially a expiring deal. But uh, I don't know where his value really sits. Uh, I mean, a healthy Blake uh, you saw two years ago dragged that uh, crappy Detroit roster into the playoffs before his knees gave out. But um, I just don't know where Blake sits health-wise. Um and if he's capable of playing like a four, a four full eighty-two game season anymore, I'll take, but, a, I'll take a four game season. Uh, yeah, I think if you had a four game season, you might really have to go after a uh, Blake there. But uh, <laughs> I think the problem is it's an eighty-two game season. Well, I guess seventy-two games this year. But uh, where is uh, I think if you could unload Blake to someone say like a golden state. Now, you know, golden state salary cap issues and Blake's salary. I think that would like make them pay like $800 million, but, um, somewhere there where he could go and play limited minutes and, uh, sort of burst energy and then, you know, really push it in the playoffs would be, um, a good situation for him. But uh, I don't know how many of those situations exist. And, uh, really, I just don't know what other, if any assets Detroit has. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take a a lot of wheeling and dealing from that general manager and staff to make something happen. Cause like you said, there aren't, aren't really a lot of suitors, especially with the salary situation. But I think that your best move is to, like I said, shop him, you know, maybe get a, but you know, a, a potential pick, maybe you get a, uh, a prospect, you know, um, and then you use your picks and try to, you know, draft some solid guys, some some uh, foundation-type players. 
Now that uh, I really liked that uh, guy they took last year. Uh, I I don't know if I can pronounce it, but Siku Dumbuye. I. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like I did on the previous show. Yes, I know. Uh, I'm going with Siku Dumbuye, but uh, energy guy, uh, real good. Uh, I would say role player energy, probably a uh, I, you know. Montez Harrell light, uh, maybe some room for improvement there, but, um, you know, it's not somebody you could build your team around. It's a piece. And, uh, I guess that's sort of what you're going to have to do if you're Detroit, just, you know, build role play piece here, role play piece here, and then hope at some point the lottery balls, uh, you know, fall your way to where you get one of those real franchise guys, though. I, I don't know if I see that in this draft. I mean, I don't see a franchise type player, but I see a lot of foundation type players. Uh, you know me, I like the big men when it comes to uh, the draft, especially in the early picks. You know, out of uh, USC, we talked about him a little bit on the last show, the center out of USC, Okongo. I feel like he's one of those type of uh, foundation type players. Uh, some, someone you can, you know, sit in the center to anchor down that, that defense and, you know, just be a, a solid player why you continue to build. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of those big guys, um, moving to Boston, which uh, sits just outside the lottery, uh, you know, with Memphis's uh, 14th pick. Um, they need a big guy. I don't know if your USC guy is going to make it there, but there are a handful of other bigs in this draft. Uh, and uh, with the situation where Gordon Haywood... I would say sort of is looking to get out and maybe a little bit of an extension on that contract. You got a little bit of a trade piece there if you can get him, but uh, where are you looking at uh, Boston Celtics wise? See, I think the, I think the Celtics are a solid team. Uh, they ran into some issues this last season, uh, but uh, overall I think they're, they're a pretty good team. They've got some good uh, pieces in place with Walker and Hayward uh, you know, and they've, they've got some good um, complimentary players also. I feel like they're in a good position in this draft to pick up someone big to help them uh, defensively, mostly. Uh, maybe a guy uh, like that guy out of Memphis, uh, what's his name, Precious? Precious uh, Achunwa. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I think that he'd probably be like a, a nice attractive pick at that spot if he's there. Uh, I don't know if he'll make it to the 14th pick, but, you know, he, he seems like a, a good piece that they could add to that roster to help them now. You know, someone that would add some depth to, to that four spot. Yeah. I, I think they sit in a really weird uh, sort of place where um, y- you have your USC big guy, Okuwangu. Um, we're struggling with the African names <laughs> today, <laughs> but uh, sort of the, I mean, they don't need offense with Brown and Tatum and Walker and, uh, you know, give or take if Haywood still there, but they have plenty of offense. They need that defensive big to eat up the middle. And I don't know if Okawangu will be there. I'm sure Wiseman won't be there. And then you get into the sort of next three, which, the next uh, tier. You, you know, though I have Toppin higher, you know, but you wouldn't draft Toppin to be your defensive stalwart. You wouldn't draft, a, say, a Maryland and uh, Jalen Smith to also be your defensive stalwart. I mean, he's a pick-and-pop big. And then uh, you got the weird guy who we should probably touch on a little bit here. Uh, this 
we're going from African to Serbian, so it's possibly I'm even <laughs> worse uh, name-wise. The Alexis Pokuviska. I think that's Pokus- about... Pokusevsky. Pokusevsky? Yeah. All right. Good work. Where did you <laughs> learn your Serbian? Oh, uh, you know. Yeah, I spent a little time <laughs> out with the Serbs. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I even I butchered it, but that's just how I pronounce it. Okay, well, we'll go with your pronunciation. Um, interesting prospect, uh, Pokasevsky. Pokasevsky. Uh, Pokasevsky. I'm not going to get that. <laughs> Let's just keep going. I'm sure it'll all work out. All right, but seven uh, one, super athletic but uh, possibly thinner than you, um, which is a bit of a issue if you're seven foot one, but uh, super athletic. Uh, he did a, have some blocks, but uh, he was playing in a, I don't know if you watched any highlights on him, but he was playing in the Greek B League, which essentially might be middle school basketball level. Um, so it's really hard to get um a read on what he is. And I don't know if he's that kind of uh, intimidating presence in the middle, but a highly skilled athletic big dude. So uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Pokaslevsky? You know, well, when I was watching him, I didn't, and I'm not trying to completely, you know, compare him to him. I don't think that he's like a mirror image of him or anything, but just watching him play reminded me a little bit of uh Kirilenko. Um, just a long, lean guy who's uh, not really physically imposing, but uh, you know he he doesn't really have the best ability to finish at the rim, uh, especially against contact. You know, and a lot of it has to do with his size. But adding size to a frame like that, I don't know if it's even a good idea because you know he he can run the floor really well. Uh, he's pretty fast. Uh, you know, he's he's an okay finisher. He just has trouble finishing. You know, in traffic. Um, and he can rebound the, the ball pretty well because of his length, uh, especially on defense. So, I mean, I like him, but there are some some things that eh, kind of, you know, just pull me away a little bit. Yeah, it, it's he's scary. I mean, it's scary both at how athletic he is for his size, but it's scary that he is that small. And, uh, I mean, I don't even know where you'd position him. I don't think you could take him right now and be like, here, you're the center of our team. He would get bulldozed by, you know, literally every NBA player. But uh, I don't know if he can guard. I mean, essentially, from what I see, he's essentially a small forward sitting in a seven-foot, you know, one frame. And I don't know if he has that type of athleticism where he could, you know, guard small forwards, maybe he could hang with power forwards. But once again, then you start getting into the uh, sort of size issue there. Yeah, I mean, just just try to envision this, him going one-on-one with Kawhi. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be rude or anything. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. You know, the guy's talented. But, you know, it does. at least in my mind, it doesn't end well for him. Um, but like I said, he's he's – a guy that does have a lot of perks, you know, he's got some international experience. He has played on the national team. Uh, he played in the Euroleague and he's got good vision for a guy, his size. 
you know, which means he can kind of, uh, you know, get it to the open guy, especially when he gets double teamed. But there's a lot of things that you have to work on with him, and I don't know. Well, I think if he made it to, I don't know, 17 and lower, I'd be really interested in taking him as a sort of project. I don't know, you know, if I could make myself take him probably 13 and lower. I don't know if I could convince myself that it would be worth the sort of value to risk asset wise of taking someone. Now, you know, you say that and uh, essentially this guy was playing in the exact same, you know, B-level Greek league that Giannis was playing in. Now, not to compare him to Giannis, but it is very, you know, those videos are very similar if you go watch Giannis. He's not as, you know, explosive, but he's a tall athletic dude, lanky, who playing in a low-level league, so it's really hard to sort of get a feel of how good he is. But uh, you could draft this guy, and then all of a sudden you could be like, oh, this guy really is a top-level player. If we can put a little bit of mass on his frame, you know, year by year, whereas, you know, it's the same thing where Giannis, you know, he was rail thin coming in, and then, you know, year by year, you sort of fill him out. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's probably the best way you want to build his, build up his uh, his NBA physique, you know, because you don't want to put on too much too early on. It's going to slow down his uh, his speed and his and his his movement, which is probably one of his strong suits right now. Where would you look to uh, take uh, Alexi, Alex G, I mean, Alex? <laughs> we'll just call him Alex for now. <laughs> Not you, Alex. Alex. <laughs> the other Alex. Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, it's I, – I, I, I wouldn't mind him this, you know, like midway through the first uh, first round. I think he's value at that at that position. I, I don't think – honestly, I don't think he goes past the, the uh, 20th pick, but that's just my thinking. Yeah. Uh, I'll touch on uh, Precious Achumwa. He was in my sort of um, – list of uh, guys I really like who I think could be a productive NBA player. Now, uh, he had to move over to center for Memphis, which um, is a was uh, when Wiseman got cut. And uh, he sort of thrived there as a small ball uh, center. But I, I sort of look at him as a, you know, power forward uh, tweener. But uh, I like his energy. I like his effort. I don't know if he sort of is a star, but I think he could be a, you know, energy big off the bench, uh, an energy rebounder. Uh, I I don't know if that scoring uh, sort of ever comes along, except for like energy buckets, you know, uh, Brian Grant style. But I, I do think he could be a pretty valuable uh, sort of energy level big. Uh, what did you think of Precious? I mean, I like him, especially, you know, when it comes to a team like the Celtics that are uh, basically, you know, a player away from just being right back in, in into the uh, the thick of things. You know, he's, like you said, he's not going to come out and put a big point, to th- but that's not what you're getting him for. You're getting him to add some depth uh, to that big position, uh, but I would definitely keep him at the four. Uh, he's, you know, he's going to give you rebounding. He's going to give you rim protection. You know, he's not going to come out and uh, put up the best shots 
or even take that many shots. He's not going to come out and, you know, uh, throw passes and get assists all over the place. That's not his game. But, you know, he's still valuable, and he can bring a lot to the table. Yeah. Uh, I, I, If I was one of those sort of um, teams that was in the uh, sort of middle tier, I would look at him hard because I, I think he's a player who can uh, fit on your team and uh, really produce. Now, he's not going to produce, you know, big numbers, and he's not going to carry you to wins, but I think he's just a uh, good player to have on your roster, and I think he's, you know, one of those guys who uh, just stays in the league for a very long time. Now, uh, I didn't tell you to look at him, but the other one I was sort of looking at the Celtics, and it might be a little bit of a reach, was uh, Isaiah Stewart, the Washington freshman. Now he's got about the uh, a little bit of the same build as uh, Precious Achunwa, but um, he was he's a little bit better defensively, uh, sort of shot blocking and rebounding wise. Now, um, the problem with that is uh, I don't know if it'd be too much of a reach at fourteen to grab somebody like that, but uh, I really liked his um, sort of workmanlike uh, defensive uh, way to position himself defensively and uh I thought he'd be a nice NBA player but he's a little undersized but uh I do like his effort he's actually a little bit like uh Grant Williams on the Celtics that they already have but uh do you know anything about uh Isaiah Stewart uh no I mean I I looked into him a little bit but uh I don't I, I didn't have him like in my top 15 so I didn't really uh take too many notes on him but I see where you're coming from I, I still think that you know they need you know more of a a, a guy who's going to come in and protect the rim uh, especially with the tool with the weapons that they already have I think that uh, they'd be better suited to to go after uh, a guy like uh, uh, a, a Chawa See, I, I got should. that one. <laughs> I was going to call him Precious. I just feel bad calling him Precious because I think about the movie. Yes, I know. I, I think he's okay with it. He's probably heard all the jokes his whole life. He's also quite large, so people probably don't pick on him too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I was walking around with his frame, you know, let people call me whatever they want to call me, see how much they enjoy it. Yeah, uh, the other one, uh, Jalen Smith, I was looking at uh, for the Celtics. The From problem Maryland? there is... I don't know if defensively he's quite what they need. I, I think he could, in the right system, could be a sort of a... I looked at him more like a Ryan Anderson type who could pick and pop and really shoot threes. Now, he's a little more athletic than Ryan Anderson was. But uh, I just uh, I don't know if defensively he'd be the type of guy the Celtics would look at. But uh, I do like Jalen Smith if he's in the right situation. What do you know about Jalen Smith? Yeah, I mean, he's the type of guy that's going to, you know, stretch the uh, the defense for you. He's going to open things up. I mean, when you have a big that can get outside and, and you know, shoot threes, it's always going to be a plus because you're going to, you know, really open up the the paint for, you know, people who want to drive in. And uh, they've got they've got some slashers, you know, on that team that, that can get to the rim. And, you know, when you add a guy like Jalen Smith who can open up the court even more, I mean – he could help, you know, but he's not the biggest center. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I could see 
a pick like this helping them out, but I would still rather go defensive than anything. Yeah. Um, I don't think it would be uh, too much of a reach, though, at 14, whereas, uh, you know, Stewart or I, I don't know where everybody sits on Precious. Uh, I really like him, so I would not be afraid to take him that early in the draft. But um, interesting pick for the uh, Celtics there at 14. They seem to have a pretty well-rounded team, so I think big is definitely where they go. But uh, they're sort of into that weird spot where uh, I don't know what big they'd go with because the ones at the top are going to be gone, and then the, you have the ones that are sitting around there in the middle that are really more offensive-based, and I, I don't know how much they need that. The next team I wanted to touch on was the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, uh, this roster is good, at, at least decent, you know, uh, for you know some of the teams we've talked about, you know, Detroit, Minnesota. Uh, we touched on the Bulls like last week where the rosters aren't great. Now, this roster is set up to be pretty good. Uh, Drew Holiday's probably going to be traded, but, um, you know, you'll get some value back there, and I, I think they'll, you know, start building towards the future. And uh, Stan Van Gundy uh, takes over as the coach. Uh, what are your thoughts on New Orleans? Are you looking for somebody specific that they could fit in there, a wing, a guard? Uh I don't think they probably need any bigs, but uh, what were you looking at uh, Pelicans-wise? Uh, for the Pelicans, I, I think that they've got, like you said, they've got a solid team all around. They've got some solid pieces, you know, not not anything that's going to, you know, uh, uh, blow your mind, but they've got some solid uh, pieces that complement each other pretty well. But I think that they could probably use some uh, death at the wing position. And uh, there was a couple of guys that I was looking at, um, the first one that came to mind was uh, uh, Aaron uh, Smith from Vanderbilt. Uh, just he's one of those guys that, like, uh, we just touched on with uh, what's his name um, with uh, Smith. He's he's one of those guys that's going to stretch the uh, the the court for you. He's going to open things up because he can hit three and he's pretty accurate at hitting three. Uh, another guy I was looking at was uh, Patrick Williams too. Um, He's he's also uh, another wing player that he can come out and help you out uh, right now. He's but he's more of a like a defensive playmaker than anything. Uh, so it's really your choice whether you want to go more defensive or offensive. Yeah, uh, I had three guys circled uh, for the uh, Pels here. Uh, one was Patrick Williams, who uh, if you've ever seen Patrick Williams' uh, body, that guy is built like a freaking tank and uh really uh if he he could be a elite level defender i think in this league for a long time in the uh sort of pj tucker like mold where he's just a brick house can guard multiple positions and uh you know his offense was not great at uh florida state but uh you know there were bits and pieces where you can see a sort of offensive iq there it's just uh sort of shot wise he's not really a shot maker but he does get in on those cuts he can score and uh he's not really a shooter yet but uh he's so young and uh, i think there could be some sort of growth there where he could grow into it like a pj tucker who you know is now a drop down sort of uh corner shooter and uh aaron nice naismith also uh loved watching him at vanderbilt he uh 
took over sort of the lead scoring role there once uh, Scotty Pippen's son uh, went down. And uh, I just, uh, I think that would be a really good fit. Now, he's essentially the opposite of Patrick Williams, where he's just a pure scorer and uh, really could help them outstretch the field. That would also give them sort of some room to um, get off uh, J.J. Redick and try to get another asset for Redick. And uh, it might take up a little bit of the, the loss of Drew Holiday, who I think probably will leave this year. Um, what do you know uh, of Patrick Williams? Do you think that would be a, a good fit, or do you think they need to go a little more uh, offensive-minded in a uh, Naismith there? I still think that they should go offensive. I think that it's going to help their team overall. It's going to help, uh, you know, take some of the pressure off some of those younger guys. And like you said, it gives you the ability to be able to shop certain people, uh, some veterans you have on that roster. Um, you know, it helps JJ Redick, who's not getting younger. Uh, it just, I, I think it makes the most sense, but I, I, I don't see anything wrong with taking a guy like Patrick Williams. Uh, you know, he's, like you said, he's built like a freaking tank and that guy is going to get in front of some people and he's going to harass some people. And, you know, I think that he's going to make a, a, an impact defensively uh, pretty much right out of the gate. Uh, and he's got potential to become an elite defender. Yeah. And uh, I think the space that someone like Zion could open up could, you know, really help his game, uh, you know, mature offensively where people will help off of him. He won't have too much responsibility offensively. The other one I had uh, circled in the Pelicans territory. Now he's a lower on uh, a handful of uh, draft boards, but uh, Desmond Bain, the TCU wing. Now he's an older uh, player, but uh, I just really like him. He he fits the sort of Malcolm Brogdon type mold. Uh, also watching him, I thought he was a little bit like Brandon Roy, not quite as good as Brandon Roy, but the same sort of, uh, you know, he's not super athletic, but he knows how to score. He knows how to shoot. And uh, I just sort of thought that would be a good fit uh, for the Pelicans there, uh, Desmond Bain. I really like him, and I, I think he's sort of a gem that somebody could grab onto late where you get a sort of a 17-point scorer type guy who's uh, pretty efficient, you know, in the uh, Kevin Martin-type mold. Yeah, I mean, as far as Bain's concerned, I think that if you don't want to go completely offensive and you don't want to go completely defensive, I think he's a nice in-between pick. Uh, you know, he gives you a little bit of everything. Uh, there are a lot of things that uh, to keep in mind. You know, granted, it's not much older, but he is one of the older players in this draft. Uh, he's got some defensive potential. You know, he's not a great defensive player right now. Uh, he does have the ability to hit three-point shots, so that helps out a little bit. Uh, but he needs to improve uh, certain things like his ability to create space, to create his own shot. Uh, he's not really long as long as the other guys are, uh, especially for a wing. Uh, and uh, laterally, he doesn't move very fast, but he's still a solid, a solid pick, I think, especially, you know, based off their team needs. Uh, like I said, if you don't want to go completely defensive with uh, Williams and you don't want to go completely offensive, I think that this is a good sweet spot. Yeah, uh, this is where, uh, you know, somebody like New Orleans, they don't need a project, uh, which uh, someone like uh, Williams would be. Uh, Naismith probably be a little bit of a project, but, uh, you know, uh, Bank could probably come into the league right now and I think, you know, put up – 
10 to 12 points a game pretty efficiently. So uh, it might be good for the Pelicans to sort of have somebody who's already ready to, you know, plug and play in there because uh, I'm assuming their goals with the hiring of Stan Van Gundy would be to make the playoffs this year. I don't think they're looking to sort of tank and uh, build off of, uh, you know, another draft pick type season. No, yeah, I'm, I, I think you're completely uh, 100% on the mark there. All right, uh, I wanted to move on to uh, sort of a team that has been sort of tanking and acquiring assets. And uh, from what I'm hearing, they're getting a little antsy there about uh, the young team, and it might be time to go to more of a veteran look. And uh, that's the Atlanta Hawks. They sit at six. Do you see where Atlanta should maybe draft one of these, another young player. I mean, their team is loaded with a bunch of young talent. Or if you were Atlanta, would you try to sort of trade this pick at a couple veterans and uh, make your push for the playoffs here? You know, the the Hawks, they're an interesting team. They have some nice pieces, uh, some nice young pieces too. Uh, they've got some pretty solid players, Trey Young, uh, John Collins, uh, Desmond. They've got, some, they've got some good guys. I think that if they could you know, maybe make a trade for a marquee player, uh, maybe not obviously like a top elite player, but, you know, someone who's going to help you out right now uh, and get you over that hump, then you probably go ahead and and trade away your picks. But, you know, they're young enough that they could still draft a guy that's going to help them out in the long term, and they'd still be a solid team for, uh, you know, years to come. It really depends on which way they want to go, whether they want to, you know, go all in now or whether they want to save some of those chips for, you know, a couple of hands later. Yeah, uh, I was, I, I'm assuming they're probably going to at least try to pre- package this and get some, uh, you know, more veteran talent. Uh, Draft-wise, uh, I don't know if Denny uh, would make it there, but uh, he's at least, I think, NBA-ready where he could slide in there and be uh, productive. And the other one I was sort of looking at was uh, Devin Vassell, another sort of wing that they could plug in there. And uh, I think Vassell's probably ready to play. Now, I don't know if Vassell's ready to score at an NBA level, but uh, the Hawks sort of just need a veteran presence. So I don't even know if uh, any of these sort of role players would – I don't know, fit their need because uh, I think they really sort of want to make the playoffs uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, like I said, a lot of it's going to depend on whether they want to go all in now or if they want to look to the future because they still have some good pieces that are still young enough that they can kind of uh, look towards the future and see something bright. Okay, I wanted to touch on a couple more guys here. Um, RJ Hampton, uh also went the uh, LaMelo ball route and went to uh, New Zealand or Australia. I can't remember which league it was. I believe it's Australian League. New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand League, okay, yeah. uh, to play basketball. I, I've watched some clips of him. There's talent there, but I don't know quite where it fits. I don't really know what kind of player he is. I, I saw a basketball player, but I, I don't know if he's a scorer. I don't know if he's a defender. I just see a really athletic wing type player, but I don't know what he is. So I don't know where he sits in this draft. What are your thoughts on RJ Hampton? To me, he's a wild card. Uh, he, 
is one of those players that would really benefit from having a really, really good coach. Someone who's going to sit him down and, you know, get him to go, get him uh, to go through all the uh, fundamentals. Uh, not that he's, he's really raw to me. Uh, you know, he's, he got a lot of potential. There's a lot of upside. You know, the guy walks around with his head really high. He's, he's really confident, but I feel like there's a lot of situations where you can see uh, some immaturity and some poor decision-making. Um, he needs to work on his defense, needs to work on his playmaking. Uh, he doesn't always take the best shots. Uh, you know, he's not a really strong player for his size. Uh, he he can be hot at times and he can be cold at times. His consistency is always kind of on and off. Um, he needs to get a little bit better at pick and roll. He's got potential. He's shown some signs of it. Uh, but, you know, like I said, he's very athletic and, and he's definitely a basketball player. He's just, I think that he just needs a really good coach to settle him down and, you know, get him to focus on just building his game overall. Yeah. Uh, the weird thing with this is I just, you know, if he gets drafted, I think probably around the mid twenties, I'm assuming you're probably going to a good team and he's just not going to play there. He's not going to get minutes. Now they can send him to the G league, but, uh, you know, I think this guy just needs reps and playing time. And, uh, if you're on a good team, he's nowhere near the level to, you know, play minutes for that kind of team. And then, uh, if he, you know, bumps up here and I doubt he'll jump into the lottery, uh, you know, his raw tools might have somebody uh, get obsessed with him and he jumps in there. But on a bad team, I think, you know, sort of his immature type habits come out. So it's really hard for me to sort of grade this guy and what he's going to be because if he's on a good team, he doesn't play. And, he, you know, in five years, he you he withers away and he's playing over in Spain and you're like, you remember that guy? And you're like, yeah, we talked about him for five minutes on a podcast. <laughs> and uh, if he, you know, goes to some terrible team, I just think, you know, it would be hard for him to sort of grow grow into a, a role of a competent NBA player. You know, uh, just watching his demeanor, it reminds me a lot of uh, like a Nick Young type of player. Uh, you know, he, he's got a lot of, you know, talent, raw talent, and, you know, he's got potential and he's got ability. It's just, it's not all there yet. He needs to take a step back and work on a lot of the basic things that are going to make him an overall better player. Um, not saying that he's not a good player. You know, I don't want people to, you know, misunderstand where I'm coming from. Uh, I just think that from a mental standpoint, he's not where He's not physically where he where his head thinks he's at is what I feel. Yeah, uh, I think there could be a good, competent NBA player there. You know, I, I did some comps. I did Gerald Green. I did Dante Exum. And, you know, that's those are NBA players who have survived, but I don't think anybody would, you know, actively be like, yeah, those have been great careers. But I do think... There's something there if he could find it and he gets the sort of right development situation. I just worry what happens when he's, you know, plugged on an NBA bench for, you know, 72 games and essentially playing two-minute junk minute burst every six days. 
See, but I'll tell you this. I feel that it would benefit him more to be on, you know, on main roster for a team with a good coach, even if he's getting one or two minutes of trash time. I, I think he benefits more from that than from being, you know, sent down to the G League because I think he's the type of player that'll quit. Yeah, that's and, and that's just what like I worry said, about. He'll, he'll end up, you know, playing overseas, and like you said, we'll we'll talk about him about what could have been. And that's the only part that scares me about him. Yeah. Uh, all right. I, I wanted to touch on a couple guys I think uh, have a chance to be, uh, I don't want to say sleepers because a lot of these guys have played dominant college basketball for a while. But uh, guys I like who I think could be drafted and uh, have impact roles, you know, right now for an NBA team. And the first one I wanted to touch on was uh, Killian Tilly. Uh who, if it hadn't been for bad foot issues the last couple years at Gonzaga, he would be a lottery pick. He's a really, really smart player who, you know, can pick and pop and uh, has a little inside game, uh, smart defender, and a great uh, passer for a big like that. Uh, Really sort of like a shooting uh, Sabonis-type guy, uh, the other one I thought of uh, when I was watching him when he's healthy is uh, like a Robert Horry type. But um, the foot issues on someone that big uh, make me a little nervous. But uh, if he stays healthy, I, I think somebody could get a really, really nice player uh, late in the draft. Yeah, I agree with you. I just think that he's got a few things he's got to work on on the defensive end. I think that offensively he's you know pretty polished for a guy his size. Um Longevity is one of my biggest concerns with him. But overall, like you said, I still think that he's a, a solid player. Uh, and if someone takes a chance on him, I think that they'll be getting a solid player uh, who just needs to work on his defense a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, if he lasts that long, somebody like the Lakers, somebody like the Clippers, oh, I, yes. you know, I think they could plug him in for 20 minutes a day, you know, run pick and roll with Davis, run pick and roll with James. And he's smart enough to where he can sort of fit into that mold and make plays, and he wouldn't be overwhelmed by uh, the situation there. But, uh, you know, foot issues, uh, very scary for any basketball player and probably even more so for someone who's, you know, 6'8 and above. You know, the uh, injury concerns with big men, to me, are kind of like a man owning a motorcycle. The less you use it, the better chance you have of it not getting hurt. Yes. I. <laughs> so, you know, the, him going to a team like the Lakers, which I would love to have him there, uh, I think shows a lot of uh, a lot of upside. Yeah. Uh, another one I wanted to touch on was uh, Malachi Flynn. Now, I really enjoyed watching him play for San Diego State. Uh, I've always been a bit of a San Diego State fan. Uh, so watching him play, I, I see a great sort of, uh, six-man off-the-bench type guard here and uh, really sort of a, a playmaker that could uh, come in, run your team for uh, 15, 20 minutes, um, Alex Caruso-like, and uh, just uh, I think could really be a player in this league that you, you know, I want to have this guy on my team type player. Uh, what do you make of Malachi Flynn? I, I like him. I just, you know, to me he lacks a little bit of size. Uh, I, I like, I'd like for him to be a little bit bigger, uh, a little bit tall, a little bit longer. 
you know, but then again, I wish those kind of things for myself too. So uh, we don't always get what we want uh, and not to get away from uh, basketball, but just really quick. Do you happen, since you said you love uh, San Diego, uh, do you know which uh, great running back came out of there? Uh, which one? Falk? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to make sure. I uh, thought you yeah. might've been talking about like Ronnie Williams or something. Oh no, you know me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be talking about any, anything related with the Rams. So that's Marshall Falk. Anyways, uh, back to Malachi. I think that it, he's uh he's a good pick and roll player. He's uh, he's really good at, you know, creating plays. He's a, he's good. He's so he's good. Not great at on ball defense. Um, my biggest concerns with him are, like I said, his size. Uh, he's because of his lack of size, he's going to have trouble finishing in traffic than finishing uh, through contact. But you know, he's still a solid player. He's exciting. He's quick. He's fast, uh, and he he can make some plays. Yeah, I do worry a little bit about the athleticism sort of uh, overwhelming him. I, I'm thinking maybe he might be one of those guys who's smart enough to use his body to you know create angles and lanes, but. Uh, he, he's not very athletic, so he could also be one of these guys I, I end up telling you about in three years. Oh, yeah, he's dominating the Israeli league, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's very potential, and if anyone were to know about who's dominating the Israeli league, it'd probably be you, so. You'd be, I'll be like, Saturday, uh, Malachi, playing. You should yeah. watch him, and you'll be like, uh, yeah, I'll get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I think it, uh, I just, I like his smarts and, you know, it's probably just a point guard to point guard thing. I like sort of small guards who are smart enough to run pick and rolls and know what to do with their body. So Malachi Flynn, I, I thought could be a nice fit for a, a team for a, a guard coming off the bench. Uh, the other one I wanted to touch on was uh, Jaheem Us Ramsey. Uh, Texas Tech guy, scorer. Now, uh, he's a real wild card here. Uh, he's a shooter and uh, a a volume shooter. But uh, he, <laughs> if you watched him at Texas Tech, he really has the ability to fill it up. Uh, he was not like one of these uh, freshmen that were s- supposed to come in and be one and duns. They thought they were going to have some time, and he came in and was – you know, really able to fill it up for him. And uh, I just think that maybe like a off-the-bench type guy, a J.R. Smith type guy, you know, that's early exactly, in his career, I think you a, could... That, that's exactly who, who I who I see in him, to be honest with you. Continue. Sorry to cut you no, off. No, you're perfect. I, I just, you know, it might take a, a couple years, but uh, I can see a guy who could come in Fearless, I mean totally fearless to go in there and score, shoot, and uh, be one of those guys who thinks he's like as good as LeBron James, but uh, really is not. But uh, really could, I I just, I like his scoring, and uh, he's really rated uh, uh, sort of in the second half of the draft. And if I was sitting in the 20s with this type of draft, I think this guy would be somebody I'd rather reach for and miss than uh, take some guy who, you know, uh, let's say an R.J. Hampton type. I would rather have this guy who I know has one skill set and he can score. Now, before I touch on, uh, just for the record, I, I was pronouncing his name Jamius. I, I I don't know how you pronounce his name, but I was saying Jamius. I think it's Jamias. 
Jemias Ramsey. I'm going to say Ramsey. I like the name Ramsey for a lot of different reasons. But uh, going back to Malachi Flynn real quick, do you see a little bit of Champ Chesterfield in him? I see a little bit of Champ Chesterfield in him. <laughs> it's possible. That's, that's, that's what I thought when I was looking at the tape. I was like, yeah, he reminds me of this guy I've seen, Champ Chesterfield. Though, to be uh, honest, I, I might have like been him. a little more athletic when I was in my 20s than him. So, uh, <laughs> Let's see. Okay, now going no back longer. to... No longer. I would fail every athleticism test. But uh, in the 20s, it, it was a good time. Uh, the 20s were a good time, buddy. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Let's, let's get back to this. Let's get back to Ramsey. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I saw when I was watching was uh, I, I saw J.R. Smith. You know, he's the type of guy who he he's a three he's a good three point shooter. He's a good outside shooter. He's got a good mid mid range game. You know, but he's also to me the type of player that even if he missed, now I'm not saying that he would because he's pretty proficient. But even if he were to miss ten shots in a row, I could see him still taking that eleventh shot. The guy walks around with a big you know uh, air of confidence in him, and which is good. You, you need guys that are confident. Uh, sometimes it's not a good thing, uh, like you've seen in the in in the case of J.R. Smith and in plenty of situations. Sometimes you can be a little too overconfident, so he needs to kind of get that in check. But he's he's got he's got a lot of offensive skills, man. You know, you're not drafting him to be a lockdown defender because that's not what he's going to bring to the table. But what he is going to bring to the table is the ability to uh, put up some shots and uh, you know get you some points, maybe coming off the bench. Yeah. Uh- would you take him in the twenties, or would it be too sort of a hit or miss there, where you possibly could have a guy who literally is the D league scoring champ for the next fifteen years? I mean, I, I can see, I, can, I could see him going in the top. 20. I personally don't like to take, uh, you know, players that are kind of one sided in the top twenty. Um, I would see him in the later rounds also, like in towards the end of the first round, maybe early second round. But, uh, you know, if someone does take him early in in the first 20 picks, I wouldn't blame him because the guy, you know what you're getting with him. You know, it's not a surprise. Uh, it's not – he's he's kind of ready to contribute off the bench, I think. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll go to one more guy. And uh, speaking of seeing a, a little champ Chesterfield in them, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go with Peyton Pritchard. Uh, similar to Malachi Flynn, uh, a little bit uh, I'd say uh, longer. Uh, I maybe a little less athletic if that's possible, but um, another guard I think uh, would be a nice sort of guard uh, off the bench who could run your offense for ten to fifteen minutes. Wouldn't hurt you too much. Um, it's shot I thought was a little hit and miss. Now, uh, what do you make of Peyton? See, with him, and I just for the record, I don't know what I'm talking about. Or I'm just going off my personal perspective here. But the thing that scares me about him is he he almost looks like he's topped out as far as you know how much better he's going to get. I don't know how much better he can get. Uh, he's still a good player. He's solid. You know, he's uh, he's good at he's he's a good playmaker. He's good at three point shooting. He, he handled the ball pretty well. He's really strong for his size. Uh, he's a he's a smaller guard, but he's really strong. You know, he's not the quickest defensive player, especially like laterally. You know, and 
like I said, my biggest question mark is how much better can he get? Yeah, uh, I you know I I think he has topped out. He sort of probably is what he is. There's probably not a whole lot of growth there, but uh, it was more so I saw him. He could come in. He'll be one of those guys that you sort of hate playing who will come in for 10 minutes and work his ass off and be, you know, in your chest full court. And uh, then he sits down and, uh, you know, watches the rest of the game. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that's a useful tool uh, for, I mean, you saw it this year with the Lakers. Essentially, that's what Caruso did. He came in for 15, 20 minutes, picked up somebody full court. And, uh, you know, Caruso's a much more athletic type player. But, um, you know, that type of player, I think, works in the NBA more so. One who will just come in, know his role, give you effort and energy for 10 to 15 minutes. You won't drop off, you know, a cliff if he's in there for a, a small amount of time. No, yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I think that, you know, you're pretty much uh, pretty much spot on there. He's He's not going to come in here and completely change everything for anyone, but you know, he's a, he's a solid player. You know what you're getting with him. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, Fred Van Fleet. Now, I don't know if he can reach that kind of level. Now, if he can get to where he can shoot like Fred Van Fleet, I think he sort of has all the same sort of uh, characteristics that uh, Van Fleet had. But uh, the shooting thing is where it is, where Van Fleet has turned himself into a, you know, knockdown type shooter. See, to me, if he can improve uh, defensively, with his with his strength, I feel that he would help out a team a lot a lot more. Um, just to kind of plug him in, you know, off the bench as a defensive anchor at the guard position, um, you know, to kind of slow down somebody. I, I like him if he can get better defensively. Yeah. All right. So uh, those were a couple sleepers we gave you. Uh, Not too bad. I'm ready to uh, take on the shortest term of a GM ever. Well, you got 15 teams to take on. So if you do well, there may be a job offer out there from some NBA team coming up. So, all right, you ready to go? Uh, yeah, let's do it. All right. With the first pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are you taking? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm getting the number one pick, huh? Yeah, you are. Uh, well... I guess I'll go with the uh, consensus number one right now, not who I personally would take, but let's just go with uh, the hype and the Timberwolves are taking uh, LaMelo Ball, point guard. Well, well, LaMelo Ball as your number one choice. Now, I don't know if you will be getting those phone calls for assistant GM duties, but... uh, a decent choice. He actually crossed my mind the more I think of it, but uh, I I just don't know if I could take him number one, which probably moves me to the number two pick, the Golden State Warriors, and I'm going to trade this pick to the Lakers for LeBron James. Oh, no. <laughs> We're not doing trades, are we? No, we aren't doing trades. We have to draft uh, as... No trades are available, so... Uh, I, I know who you're taking. You probably do, and um, I'm taking this as sort of uh, what I think the team needs and who I think would fit in best. And uh, my pick is James Wiseman, number two. Oh, I love that pick. 
I do that's too. A, that's I, the guy I'm most excited about right now, to be honest with you. I'm really excited if uh, he does end up going there and they don't trade the pick. Uh, there's already been some movement in the NBA, so I'm getting a little nervous that they're going to sort of bounce out of that spot. But uh, in about a month, if uh, they have James Wiseman, I, I'm excited to watch that team play. So uh, this moves you to number three. You're now the GM of the Charlotte Hornets. Congratulations. You got quite a roster there. Who are oh, you taking you. at number three? Well, since we have quite a roster, like you said, uh, I am going to go with uh, uh, more of a need. And we are taking the shooting guard out of Georgia, Anthony Edwards. I think that's a good fit. I think if he happens to fall down there, uh, I think they'd be happy with that. There's a chance he turns into a franchise-type guy, but um, a lot of work to do. But uh, if he can fall to Charlotte there, I I think that would be a nice spot for him. All right, so I'm next up. The number four pick, the Chicago Bulls. And uh, tough spot here. Uh, they have a lot of post guys. Already in uh, Wendell Carter and um, Laurie Marketing. I'm going to go, I think, a little defense here and a little sort of swing guy. And I'm going with Killian Hayes, the French sort of swing guard, I'd say. Let's say swing guard uh, as my number uh, four pick here. Actually, you know, I, I like it. I probably would have gone a different way, but I like it. It's a good pick. The other one I was looking at was uh, Dini Avadasia. Uh, but uh, as long as Carter and Marketing are there, it just seems like there, there'd be too much of a log jam. And uh, Colleen Hayes, probably the only defensive-minded player on that team, so um, can handle some off-ball and on-ball duties and uh, let – Zach Levine and Colby White cook while he can. All right, uh, you're up. You get another great roster here. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, weird post-veterans, weird young backcourt. Where are you going? Uh, simply because of the needs and our uh, need for a guy that we can market who's got good potential, good upside. Uh, we are going to go with the young man out of Israel, uh, Denny Abdija. Oh, you took my guy. Yeah. All right. That's a pretty decent pick there. I like that. Um, I'm going at number six with the Atlanta Hawks. I don't know if they need another young guy, so uh, I'm struggling to figure out a way to go here. But I, I think if I was the Hawks, I'd go with explosiveness. And uh, I think this guy has the best chance to be sort of the best scorer out of this draft, and that's O.B. Toppin. Oh, I actually had him going a little bit earlier, but... Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if he'll make it to six, but uh, he'd fit down there. You put Collins and Toppin together. I don't know if they can defend with Trey Young, but uh, a lot of points would be scored. All right. Yeah. You're up next. Number seven. I don't know how you keep getting the wor worst rosters in the NBA, but uh, number seven, Detroit Pistons. Well, I'm really excited to be 
the GM of the Detroit Pistons, but I know why I ended up with these rosters because you're the host and you set this up. So I, I set up, I was being nice and giving you the first pick. I didn't know every oh, other I, one ended up with the worst teams in the NBA. I didn't want the first pick because if I went with the guy that I wanted and uh, Wiseman, you know, everyone's going to uh, let us have it about not having ball as number one, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. Uh, with the seventh pick in the NBA draft, the Detroit Pistons select Isaac Okoro, small forward out of Auburn. I like that choice. Pretty decent choice. Defender can attack. Um, I really don't think you could go wrong with any Detroit selection because mostly they just need live bodies on the roster. So uh, I'm up next. See, I get a bad roster here. Number eight. The New York Knicks. And uh, I'm going to go with some scoring and make a little bit of a jump here. I'm going with Tyrell Terry. Ah, The scoring guard out of Stanford. They don't have a lot of shooting. They don't have a lot of scoring. And I think a place like New York, he could excel. And uh, it's sort of give somebody uh, R.J. Barrett could play off of. R.J. Barrett can get in that lane, drive and kick to Terry, who can score a lot of points. So uh, I don't know if the Knicks keep this pick, but uh, that would be a fun one to have. What are you next thinking for a little bit better roster here? Two theoretical franchise guys in the Washington Wizards. So uh, where are you going with the Wizards? I was a little torn. Um, I wanted to go with some size here, and I kind of like – the big guy from USC, but I think we're going to go a different route and we're going to go with Shadiq Hayes. I'm sorry, uh, Shadiq Bay um, out of uh, Villanova. Yes. I think out of Villanova. That is correct. That's who we're going with. Decent swing guy. Uh, I think that could be a pretty good pick, uh, especially with the dearth of, uh, well, anybody, in the swing category for the Wizards. So uh, I like that pick. Uh, would fit nicely next to Wall and uh, Beal. So uh, maybe that's a, a good pick, and maybe that'll happen. Anyway, I'm up next, and uh, big news out of Phoenix. So uh, they just acquired Chris Paul. So I don't know where to go draft-wise here. They have a big man. They have a shooting guard. They have a point guard, and they have some wings that they took last year. So uh, I think I will will go with your USC guy, and uh, I think that would be a decent spot for him. Onowuku Okawangu. Yeah, okay. I think uh, backing up uh, DeAndre Ayton, and uh, if Ayton gets in foul trouble, you don't drop off much uh, athletically for an athletic big, and um, I think he'd fit well uh, with Chris Paul. And uh, Devin Booker, he wouldn't be asked to do too much and uh, get some nice rim runs and dunks and uh, maybe play a little defense there. So uh, you're up next. See, look, your rosters are improving as we're getting further and further down the depth chart. San Antonio Spurs, what are you doing if you're the Spurs here? Uh, he was, uh, this is the, uh, the conundrum that I have to deal with. Um, I wasn't sure which way to go. But I think overall we're going to go with the shooting guard out of Kentucky and uh, Tyrese 
Maxi, Maxi, Maxi. Yeah, that's uh, that's the route we're going. Um, I was going to take a different guard, but the truth is, I forgot to get everything ready here, so I don't know who's been drafted. So I'm just going with my list. <laughs> Well, he has not been drafted. I'm doing my highlighting, so I don't okay. forget who's been drafted. I'm, I'm glad someone's taking responsibility. Well, I, I don't know about responsibility. I quickly printed out a sheet with all the names, and I'm quickly highlighting as we go down. So, um, interesting pick there. Uh, but uh, hard to see where the Spurs are going. They have bigs. They have guards. But uh, there's a weird mix of sort of veterans and young people there. So, uh Next best player available seems like the best way to go for them. And uh, I have the Sacramento Kings. Now, if I was the actual Kings GM, I'd probably take someone crazy here. And uh, a lot of guys on this list who I think will be good sort of role players, I don't know where to go necessarily for a big time. But um, I think... uh, Buddy Heald's been on the market, and uh, so I'm going to replace him with Aaron Naismith here, the guard out of Vanderbilt. Okay. Uh, You know, I almost felt like this is a guy, like my previous pick would fit well here. But we're competing GMs. I'm not trying to let you have anybody. (laughs) That's true. All right. Next up, you're the New Orleans Pelicans. Where are you going? This one's a little bit tougher. Uh, I was torn with taking another guy, which I believe has been taken already. So I think I'm going to have to go in a different direction with uh, my second one. What guy so, did you, were you thinking? I was, I was thinking of uh Vassal here. No, Vassal hasn't gone. I almost took him, oh. but I didn't. So oh, you can okay. take Vassal. In that case, I'm taking Vassal. Yes, I'm taking him. I know we're both going to be punished for letting Devin Vassal drop this far. <laughs> oh man. I, I thought he was gone. Yeah, I know. He probably should have been, but I, I kept slotting weird position guys in there, and uh, Vassal's still on the board. So, uh, Devin Vassal. Yep, to that's your New, England, New Orleans Pelicans. I like that pick. Yep, out of Florida State, baby. If he can make it that far, uh, I think that'd be a pretty good pick. So, uh, Oh, yeah. You end up winning if he makes it that far. All right. I'm up next. Boston Celtics. I'm going to go after a reach here. I'm going to go for broke. Either he will be a superstar in the NBA or playing in some far-off league in Israel or Pakistan in two years. I'm going with our man, Alexis Punaveski. Oh, we talked about him a little bit. Yes, I know. Uh, Boston pretty much has a ready-made roster. Uh, The upside on this guy is off the charts. Uh, Athletic big. Needs to put on weight, but uh, if he works out, uh, this guy's probably, you know, a Perzingis, Giannis-type guy, and if he can't handle the physicality, uh, he will be a draft day joke like Jake Sokolides or something in 15 years. So uh, I'm going with the uh, long shot and seeing if it works out for the Boston Celtics here. You're up next, Orlando Magic. Okay, now with uh, the 15th pick in the NBA draft, the Orlando Magic, even though we didn't take notes, I know I haven't heard this name yet, so we are going with Precious Achiwa. 
out of Memphis. Oh, that's a pretty good pick there. Uh, good sort of swing guy. I think if uh, Aaron Gordon gets traded, I think he sops up those minutes right away. All right, so I'm at 16 with the Portland Trailblazers. And uh, this guy dropped pretty far in our draft. Someone's doing something wrong. I'm going to take Patrick Williams and hope I get some defensive swing guy for the uh, Portland Trailblazers here. Oh, he's still there, huh? Yep, he's still there. Oh, this is what actually, happens when you don't chart the draft picks. Yep, this you know, it's exactly it. I'm not ready. This is how I knew my tenure as a GM was going to be short. It's possible I just got the steal of the draft for the Portland Trailblazers. I actually wanted him for the Spurs, but for some reason I thought he was gone. Now, all right, uh, you're up next. Minnesota Timberwolves, your second pick of the draft here. Oh man. Okay. Uh, let's see. We need, we already picked up a, a guard early on. Uh, maybe someone to compliment him. Um, I, I definitely was not ready for this. I don't, <laughs> I don't know who's gone and who's not, but, uh, how about you want we me go... to give you the best available? Oh no, no, that's fine. <laughs> uh, how about we Jay go Billis style as I break it down? Let's see. Let's let's anchor up a little bit the the middle a little bit. I think we're going to take uh, Jalen Smith out of Maryland. Yeah, I thought that's where you were going to go. Yeah, I guess we'll go small than big. I'd rather go big and small, but we'll go small and big for. All right, Jalen Smith got the pick and pop guy. Him and Carl Anthony Towns running some uh, high wing stuff could be interesting, and uh, we'll see if that actually occurs uh i think that's probably right around the area jalen smith would actually go so uh i'm up next dallas mavericks and uh i'm gonna go with tyrese halliburton get another uh sort of guard to help uh luka Doncic handle of those kind of duties uh his shot's a little awkward but it goes in and uh could sort of play off the ball on the ball just sort of like that and uh if he can defend it all in the uh, next level, I think uh, that'd be a good fit for the Mavericks. So uh, Tyrese Halliburton for the uh, Dallas Mavericks at 18. You're up next, the Brooklyn Nets. You got to add something to this star-laden roster. Where are you going? Uh, okay, well, let's see. Well, they've got some solid pieces that we've yet to see play, uh, but just – Let's see, you can cut me off if for some weird reason uh, I've already uh, picked someone that's been drafted. Just keep in mind that you are the commissioner here also as well as GM. Do I take your draft pick if uh, you... No, so- no, I, I get to keep my draft pick, but you just penalize me and send me the bill in the mail. <laughs> All right, where are you going here? Uh, I, I believe this for this pick we are going with uh, Onyeka Okong. I can't find him on my list, but uh, I'm assuming since he's not highlighted, you are correct. Is he is he not highlighted? The center out of USC. Yes, uh, he he got taken. Oh no! Maybe three picks before, four picks before. I drafted him to the. Oh, the Phoenix Suns. Oh no! Okay, oh, that's not good. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I, I I still want to go with the big guy. Uh, is Isaiah Stewart still available? Isaiah Stewart is still available. 
Okay, we're going with Isaiah Stewart then. This feels like a fantasy draft for some reason. I'm not keeping any notes on who's going where, and then I'm looking for the player for half an hour. No, you're, you got him, Isaiah Stewart, right there. Okay. So, uh, All right. I'm next up at number 20, Miami Heat. And I'm going to go for uh, another sort of uh, reach here since my roster's pretty complete. And I think uh, going into this culture would be good for him. I'm going with RJ Hampton. We'll see if the Heat can mold him into the type of player he wants. I I don't know if that kind of culture will be right for him or he will be right for that kind of culture. But if he's ever going to be a player, it would be uh, with the Miami Heat getting something out of him. So I'm going with RJ Hampton at number 20 for the Miami Heat. Oh, it's not bad. Let's see. We're at number 21 with the 76ers. Yes, we are. Can you get somebody to help this team out? Let's see. As I was uh, sending my scouts here and there, doing uh, making sure we did our due diligence before drafting, uh, we decided that with the 21st pick, we are going to go with uh, Theo Maladon, point guard. Going with a point guard. Passing on Cole Anthony, going with the Arizona product. Interesting decision. I like it. Uh, Theo's a was a five-star guy coming out of Arizona, and then that Arizona team sort of disappointed. But uh, good pick there. All right. I'm up next at number 22, and I'm going to take my guy, Desmond Bain, for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I think if uh, Gary Harris leaves, I, I think this fills a nice need. Uh, as, uh, they can also probably play him at small forward in case Barton they need to use in a trade piece. And uh, I think his shooting and uh, – just creativity will uh, fit in nicely with that uh, Denver Nuggets team and Nikola Jokic. So uh, Desmond Bain uh, for the Denver Nuggets. Okay, and we are at 23 with the Utah Jazz, I That's believe. correct. You're the Utah Jazz GM. Where are you filling in a hole here? Uh, I don't know if it's so much of a hole as much as uh, I like that he's available here. Seems like a good fit. And I'm going to go with uh, point guard out of San Diego State, Malachi Flynn. Oh, Malachi Flynn. Interesting. You really don't like Cole Anthony at all, do you? Is Cole Anthony still available? <laughs> yes, Cole Anthony is still available, and he's dropping quickly down these uh, uh, charts. I, I like you the Malachi. Told me he's available. Yeah, I like the Malachi Flynn though. He, he fits into the Utah Jazz sort of system here. All right, I'm up next at number 24 with the Milwaukee Bucks, and uh, I'm going to take Cole Anthony out of his misery. And take Cole Anthony, Milwaukee Bucks. Big-time prospect coming out of high school uh, and uh, big-time lineage uh, with his father, Greg Anthony. So uh, maybe he can live up to the hype and uh, help this Bucks team score right away, and it also gives them an option to sort of deal Bledsoe if they can. So uh, you're up next. Oklahoma City Thunder at 25 they're probably tanking now that they've just traded away Chris Paul and uh, Dennis Schroeder. So it's going to be Tankapalooza. So where are you going at number 25 with the Oklahoma City Thunder? Um, you know, at this point, like I said, I'm going mostly with just kind of uh, my best available guys off the top of my head. I don't know who's been taken or not. I'm sure I'll regret 
not realizing that someone else wasn't taken, but we're going to go with uh, Leandro Balmoro, the small forward out of uh, Argentina. Yeah, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about him, but uh, I sort of like him. Tough nose, gritty guy, like uh, a lot of the Argentina players uh, with a pretty high ba- basketball IQ. Uh, I think that would be a good fit with uh, Oklahoma City. I'm up next with the Boston Celtics again, and I'm going to go with the other Arizona freshman, Josh Green. Explosive athlete, oh, okay. good wing player, um, just didn't really, I'd say, showed inconsistency at Arizona State. So uh, we'll dump him into the Boston Celtics system and uh, see what he can do out here. Uh, up next, you, at number 27, the New York Knicks. Where are we going? Uh, let's see. Based off what we have, uh, I think we're going to go uh, – a little safer this time around, and we're going to go with the uh, the guard out of Michigan State, uh, Cassius Winston. Awkward silence there. It's okay. The dog can make noise. We'll be all right. Did you get that pick? Yeah, Cassius Winston for the okay, New York yes. Knicks. <laughs> yes, just wanted to make sure. All right, so New York Knicks loading up on uh, passing guards uh, this uh, draft. All right, I'm up next. This was the Lakers pick. It was just traded to Oklahoma City. So uh, this now becomes an Oklahoma City pick. And I think I'm going to go with Vernon Carey out of Duke. Uh, Solid player. Uh, I think has a little bit of upside and could become a better player. I don't know if he'll ever become a star. But um, if you're Oklahoma City Thunder, you're probably just uh, waiting around and see if you could develop some uh, guys anyway. So Vernon Carey Jr., uh, here for uh, Oklahoma City. You're up next, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, really quickly, is Desmond Bain still available? No, I took Desmond Bain. Uh, oh. oh, let's see. I think uh, I think we're going to go with, uh, please tell me, at least uh, Jaden McDaniels is still available. Jaden McDaniels is still available. Okay. Not, not a great fit, but I, at this point with what's gone and what's available... I think we're going with Jaden. Yeah, I like that. Uh, another one that's uh, similar to uh, Josh Green, uh, explosive wing, decent size, uh, but uh, inconsistent play in college. All right. And I have the last pick of the NBA draft, number 30, Boston Celtics. And I'm going with the Gonzaga product, uh, Kieran Tilly. So uh, we'll see if uh, we got a. Weird uh, prospect uh, for the Celtics at uh, seven foot one, and then we got probably a guy who will be capable if he stays healthy of being in the NBA for fifteen years. So a good mix there. All right, so that's our first round mock draft. We'll thank Achilles Rain for joining us for this. All right, I hope you had fun listening to our NBA draft special. That's our show, and we're out. <laughs>